To that's not quite all, folks. The Lean Tunes podcast. You sound so somber. You're so sad. Come on, it's a Tasmania episode. Don't be sad. (laughs) I'm not sad. Hello, I'm Mark (laughs) Halo, and welcome to a very special edition (laughs) of That's Not Quite All, folks. For a buck, buck, buck. <laughs> I was preparing myself for the Tasmania thing to pop in so that I got in time, but oh god, you were All just right. like, oh, hello, and welcome. Uh, hello, I'm Mark Allen. I'm not my client's name. And I'm Jordan. Welcome to One Week Early. Good idea, bad idea. Good idea, putting Tasmanian Devil as a foil in a cartoon. Bad idea, making him the lead and have all these other not-as-good characters bounce off of him. Welcome to Tasmania. Uh, yes, because Warner Bros. Television Animation couldn't just release this in, like, 1994 so that we can... Talk about Animaniacs no. immediately. Nope. We have to talk about Tasmania. They even... Uh, I feel like them getting... Because um, the, the opening theme of Tasmania is just Harnell doing his wacko voice. He's just mm. wacko singing the Tasmania theme. So I feel it's just... Dangling the the, uh, the Warner Brothers and Twin Sister Dot in our faces. Like, uh, uh Not yet. Not yet. I mean, you can see the pieces of Animaniacs beginning to form with this cartoon. You get so many scenes where it's just Maurice LaMarche and Rob Paulson bouncing off each other. Or just Mm -hmm. the blueprints are being put into place, definitely. And having LaMarche, Paulson, and Harnell attached to this one while coming a year or so before... Animaniacs is very much a prelude of things to come. Although, um, quality-wise, we're not quite at at Animaniacs levels yet. But this is a very interesting cartoon to talk about in a lot of ways. So, uh, this is Tasmania. Mm -hmm. It was released in uh, 1991. It lasted for a longer time than I thought ever thought a Tasmanian yeah. Devil cartoon show could last. It lasted for four seasons, 65 episodes. Lasted from uh, 1991 to 1995 on the Fox Kids Network. And um, right. I have never seen this show before in my life. Nor have I. This, I... this just completely passed us by. Yeah, it... Because it was a sort of Fox Kids staple, and also because it didn't really get re-ran a lot due to rights issues, I imagine, this really doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people 
our age, honestly. Like, you know, it's it. you can see why it happened. Because, you know, Tasmanian Devil became popular in the early 90s thanks to, you know, the urban fashion boom and thanks to his person being put on shirts and bumper stickers and whatever the hell you want. Um, so this was made to cash in on that. But it's also strange because as pretty much every other Looney Tunes product would admit, the Tasmanian Devil is great when working off of characters. But when characters work off of him, it's a lot harder to make jokes flow. Yep, because the Tasmanian Devil's whole thing is that he doesn't talk much. He needs more yeah. violence now, talk later. In fact, he only talks once in each cartoon, as it is brought up in one of the episodes we will be talking about today. Yes. Which are a devil of a job and Wacky Wombat, a task with Molly's Folly. Yes. Um, just to note, we're, we're doing two different ends of the series. We're doing one of them from the first five or so episodes and another one of them from season four. And I'm glad we were able to get such a, a, a wide range of this show's capabilities because the difference between these two eras of the show is stark. And we will get there when we get there. But a lot changes in just a couple of years. And I think I have a theory as to why. But we will get there when we get to yours, Mark. All right. Um, um, also, I'd like to point out, the reason we chose these two episodes, um, for shows where we're not entirely comfortable on what episodes to pick, I just researched Tasmania Looney Tune characters because, you know, yeah. if a Looney Tune, if Bugs or Daffy makes a cameo appearance, that's a pretty safe bet. Like, okay, well, at least there's that. And um, there are cameos in both episodes to varying degrees of quality, but we'll get there when we get there. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I didn't do a lot of research on the backstory. Um, of how this came to be. Um, did you do some? I, th I think you said you did. Well, it's... Well, for one thing, this isn't an Amblin production. It, it, of it's, course it's not. It's more based in the Warner Brothers animation department. But it does have some of the creative talent from the Amblin production. So we have, we have Tom Ruger in this as one of the developers. We have Gene McCurdy as one of the executives. Right. We have... Art Fitello, who I believe directed an episode in last week's uh, Titans episode. He did, uh, yes. Believe. Yes. And the voice cast is pretty stacked because, you know, it's, yeah, it's Bruce Lamars, it's Rob Paulson, uh, Debbie Derryberry's in this. Hmm. We have uh, John Aston. Yeah. Gomez Adams is in this show. Uh, speaking of voice actors, uh, probably the, the biggest one to mention is uh, Jim Cummings. Mm -hmm. uh, voice of Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and other, a lot of Disney, a lot of Disney stuff, uh, Darkwing Duck, is the voice of Taz in this. And this was his first Taz role as he would go on to voice Taz in a multitude of projects. Yeah. A lot of people would voice Taz in a multitude of projects. <laughs> it's him. That one time that Brendan Fraser did it. Oh, yeah. And he also provides the... Um, the Tasmania um, singing in the Tasmania theme. So, Chester okay, Nell cool. and Jim Cummings singing down Tasmania. 
Um, uh, I think before we get to your episode, uh, what do you think uh, about this theme song? I think it's all right. It's it's very it's very nineties cartoony, but you know it's all right. Yes, it is. Um, now actually, oh god, sorry, I forgot to mention. Uh, Richard Stone is the composer for this. That's a very big deal because he would be the composer to Animaniacs. And the music, the music is actually a good plus to the show. That that, yeah. that is something that that really helps sell the show is the music in this. Yeah. And what's funny about the theme song is that the second half just runs down every single character that's in the show. Didgeridingo and Wendell T. Wolf. Francis X. Bush lad is never uncool. Bushwhacker Bob and his mother gold mom. Thompson's a thick lid just want to have fun. Well, Gator and Axel are always left sore. If you have a deal, just comedy ball. The Platypus Brothers are a back and about. The Kiwi, the Bushwhacks, have we left anyone out? Oh yeah, don't forget Taz. Only three of those characters show up in the episodes we're talking about today. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, skeleton crew, I suppose. Yeah, I I really want to know what a Buddy Boar episode it's like. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, is Buddy Boar a, a stereotypical Hollywood agent trying to Taz do horrible movies Yes, Bo- Buddy Boar is the same character as Harry Berman and Bernie Bernstein that we talked about <laughs> way back in episode two. Yeah. And it's Tom Kenny as well, because that's all he fucking does. Oh my god! So that's Tasmania. Mm-hmm. The the setup for it, and, uh, and now we'll just go into the episode, which uh, Jordan you had. I'm sorry. I do. Um, this is um, again, as I said before, this is one of the first five or so episodes that were not produced, but that came out. Um, for this show. This one is called A Devil of a Job. And what's interesting to point out is that it is um, the full 22 is this episode. It's not like a two segment kind of deal. This is a full length um, one episode long sort of deal. Um, we'll get to that in uh, this, as to why that's interesting in the next one. Um, this one came out on October 5th, 1991. On this day, oh, I have a lot of cool stuff here. Um, Fresno State ties the NCAA record with 49 points and a quarter as they route New Mexico 94-17. to Good for them. This was a bittersweet week for um, the director Martin Scorsese. Uh, on one hand, Cape Fear uh, was in theaters. It's a good movie. As On the other hand, he divorced his wife on this day. <laughs> Mark told me this right before we went on. And I didn't have it here, and now I do. So... Thank you. Yep. Sorry, Marty. He seems pretty happy now. Oh, yeah. He's all right now. He's all right. You know. Uh, Also in theaters, um, yeah, as I said, Cape Fear was in theaters. Leos Carax's Lovers on the Bridge was in theaters. And uh, equally as important to art cinema, John Cherry's Ernest Scared Stupid was in theaters. Oh. (laughs) That was amazing. Um... Okay, uh, we do this when we um, with the comparing songs. Um, they were number one in the U.S. versus the U.K. Uh, the number one song in the U.S. was "Good Vibrations" by Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, which, fun fact, came on the radio 15 minutes before I started recording. Oh my! Wait, Absolutely wait, true. wait! This hold on, because we have instances where we record an episode and then later we hear the song. You heard no, the song before the? Oh my gosh! Yeah. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Um, 
And the number one song in the UK, though, was Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams. Advantage US. Yeah. Way to go, Mark Wahlberg. Um, yeah, this was fifth in the series overall. Gordon Kent wrote it. Douglas McCarthy directed. Um, to refresh, um, that is, Debbie Derryberry plays Jake. Maurice LaMarche plays Hugh. Dan Castellaneta plays Mr. Thickley. Rob Paulson plays Timothy. Uh, and Jim Cummings plays um, Taz and also uh, Bushwhacker Bob, or whatever that old name is. So we, we've got some good people in this. So, for some reason at the start of this episode, Taz wants a motorcycle and has motorcycle fever. And is sort of rolling around the house wanting a motorcycle. In another cartoon, in a better cartoon, we would have something about like him watching TV and seeing people on TV riding motorcycles and looking cool. And that's why he wants it. In this cartoon, we don't get that. We just have him running around making vroom vroom noises. Um, okay. I mean, um, they tr they try to cover it up later by saying he owns like seventeen motorcycle magazines. That's like later in the episode, so I don't know. It's it's weird. Um, but we do have this sequence. Of this early gag where Jake is doing a cowboy thing running around and is sort of and hops on him and rides him around. And it, it, it's early horseplay to fill the first couple minutes of the cartoon. There's a, there's a Hindenburg of the humanity joke. It's, it's you know. Just sure. Yeah. Now, I really like uh, Maurice LaMarche's voice as Hugh, the sort of stereotypical TV dad with just an extra ounce of obliviousness. I think it's an early crack at his voice for father in Codename Kids Next Door, um, where you just, you hear the edges of the voice sort of come around, but he's doing more of like the, the 50s TV dad. Moments of mayhem, he's a pretty good kid. Ah, just look at the fuzzy little devil. That angers me. I will no longer tolerate failure. Destroy the kids next door, or else! Also, lol, Debbie Derryberry plays the son of a character named Hugh. <laughs> sure. Okay. Well, <laughs> last. But yeah, th th this show has a very offbeat and wild energy to it, which I'll get into as we get to the crux of it. The plot hook, which is... Taz getting a job to afford a motorcycle is, 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 is hinted at by his dad. He's like, oh, you know, you might as well need to get a job. I can do the voice really well. You might need to get the job, Taz. Uh, there might be things you could... It's like half Billy D. Williams, half, like, um, Cary Grant. So, <laughs> uh, I've heard people compare it to Bing Crosby, perhaps? Oh, yeah, okay, I can, I can see that. That's that that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Now, um, now you see, Taz, um, get that job, or I'll beat you with a melon. <laughs> I will yeah. beat you up, Taz. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the the weird energy I was talking about is that uh, Hugh is laying in the hook for the episode. Taz, Taz needed to get a job, all while Jake is just inflating his foot like like a, a tire pedal, and we just, this is just happening. The entire conversation, we just hear this pumping up noise to the point where 
Afterwards, we just see the reveal of Taz having a gigantic foot, which explodes to dissolve to a very always sunny-esque Taz tries manual labor slide. I triple-taked. Um, okay, we have a very quick uh, gag where Taz tries lawn mowing. That is Phil Proctor as the koala, by the way. Phil Proctor of um, Rugrats fame. He's done a bunch of other voice acting, too. The lawn mowing gag doesn't really go anywhere, but I do like... Um, after the sort of failure of this, um, Taz's eyes staying on screen as we fade out. I also like this lemonade stand gag, because it, it's a little better. Because we do get some good silent gag work going uh, of, of Taz um, selling lemonade in the middle of the desert, realizing that he, like, you know, having it out there, realizing that he, in fact, needs the lemonade because it's so hot out there. And then having none as you know, the Platypus Brothers, come by as customers. Ah. It, 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 it sort of works. Again, like, Taz... Yeah. And Taz can't make the lemonade right because he only just... He just squeezes lemon, lemon juice. Yeah. He doesn't add sugar. Yeah. He doesn't add sugar. Right. So, after a couple of quick gags like this, we, instead of doing more quick gags for the rest of the episode, we go into a larger plot where the Platicus brothers, um, who are basically just um, Rob Paulson and I think uh, Maurice LaMarche as well, doing basically Daffy Duck voices. And, and that's, that's all right. I mean, they're not... A lot of the jokes with these guys aren't very funny because they're not really fleshed-out characters. They're basically just the movie oh. gophers just with Daffy Duck voices. Yes! When I came to that realization, I went, Aha, that's why I don't like them. Because yep. they're just the Goofy Gophers with the voice of... Uh. Yeah. Um, they do bring us towards a larger plot because they realize that Taz is looking for a job and they're like, yeah, okay, we've got a job for, job for you. Just stick with us. And we go into um, the you know Hotel Tasmania or whatever the, the whatever it is. Yep. And we're introduced to uh, Jim Cummings' Wishwalker Bob and his mom. This is a completely different uh, voice for him than we're used to. Uh, we're used to the sort of, like, the, the gravelly front-of-the-voice types, you know, the bayou types, and also, you know, the, the wild types like Taz. But we don't get a lot of, like... Um, Subdued. Yeah, we don't get something like this very often from him. And he does really well with this kind of character. It's... it's, it's the whole thing with, with Bushwhacker Bob is that it's him and his mother that sort of, like, balances out and sort of just, you know, keeps him in his place while he's also very aloof and very not very good at getting through these... I, I like the gag here where the scene, the first scene with him and his mom running the hotel is undercut by the sounds of birds. And then after a couple seconds, she just switches off a life switch and the birds' noises come off. <laughs> like it's a sound effect they have there. Um, the dynamic between these two characters is, dare I say it, Python-esque. Because there's a whole argument about whether a bird dressed in a Tasmanian devil outfit is actually a Tasmanian mm -hmm. and the a Tasmanian devil, and they're going back and forth about it. Yeah, people have compared uh, this character to um, Faulty Towers. Yes, so, like, I, I, yes. I think that was the that was the reference point for for because um, Hotel Transylvania, Transylvania, Hotel Tas. Hotel, I knew I was going to make that slip up. I do Because Hotel Tasmania. Because Hotel Tasmania, they do come back to this location in other episodes. And that's the whole thing, is that it, it's a faulty tower send-up. Which, 
Okay. I mean, it's it's good to draw from. You know, it's 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 a fun inspiration. Baldy Towers is pretty funny, so it 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 works for me. Also, that is a teal colored bird that doesn't speak in that Tasmanian Devil outfit. A Tasmanian Devil? Perry the Tasmanian Devil? Sorry. Also, we meet Mr. Thickley here, and yes, Mr. Thickley is definitely a Dan Gastelonetta character. Uh, yep. Maybe it's all the Simpsons that I've watched, but that that's very much a, a character, a stock yeah. voice that he has lying around. Mm-hmm. Also, this is kind of where we get our story, which is sort of. they're, they're opening this hotel, and they need a Tasmanian devil to be in the hotel because as way for the guests to come in, they feed the Tasmanian devil meat, and he's happy. Yeah. Now, again, never seen the show before. Is that the dynamic? So the, these two hunter-type characters, because they're dressed up in the uh, traditional cartoon hunter garb, what have you, you know, brown yeah. everywhere. They don't want to kill the Tasmanian devil. They just want to use him? For Employ stuff? him, which would fulfill the Tasmanian devil's plot. So this is a good thing. Yeah. So That's not why really is it being as... presented as a villain plot? I... Like, it'll be another thing if it's like, no, you need to capture him, so we'll keep him forever. Yeah. <laughs> or something. It's not mad. Like, like, it's not nearly as fun. And again, this is the only episode we have with these characters. So I'm sure there are other episodes where, no, like, in order to get something done, they have to kill him. Or they need yeah. him for what have you. But just... <sighs> it's just it a seems... nothing of a plot. There's it no... seems like the people who wrote this are not very experienced in writing this. Or cartoons in general. It's like the plot is they need a Tasmanian devil to, to do good things. And so the whole joke is that neither Mr. Thickley nor Bushwhacker Bob knows what a Tasmanian devil looks like. And so Taz enters with the Platypus Brothers in order to do helping around the hotel, helping set up. And Bob is too thick to realize that that's a Tasmanian devil there. So... It's a lot of convenience, a lot of plot convenience. And so there's some gags here in lieu of actually following the plot. There's some gags here of, you know, Taz doing more manual labor with the boys. And it's a running gag where, like, the brothers tell him to do something and stay right there and help them hold on to something. And Bob tells him to not, not again, being completely oblivious tells him to move or like do, do something else, not realizing that it's for a reason. So the first one is a really good one where it's like they're yes, rolling yes. down the carpet where they're, they're, they're putting down the carpet and they say, okay, Taz, stay right there, put your foot on that and don't move. And so that worked. But of course, you know, Bob tells him to move. And this is a good sequence because we just see both ends of the carpet getting rolled into Bob and it's just really well paste and animated and then there's another gag after that involving a chandelier yeah that one 
that one's just dumb because yeah. literally Bob goes up to Taz like, what are you doing? You're just standing there. And Taz is holding a, a rope because he's yeah. giving the chandelier up. Yeah, do, he's not doing nothing. Yeah, do you not see him holding the rope? <laughs> like, I mean, I get that they're trying to make Bob oblivious, but not that oblivious. It's like, he, he, does he not have... And then and then he just fires the, the main devil. Yeah. Like midway through the episode, fired. Yeah, that, yeah. that's supposed to be funny. Oh ha ha. You fired the thing, but it, it it's just It doesn't work because it doesn't really fit together in the structural sense that a cartoon should. No, it doesn't. Like we do end up having Taz go back to his house and sulk for a little bit, you know. Just tearing out mo- p- pictures of motorcycles and magazines and eating them. And I love the line that the mom had. I'm worried about our baby. Is That's the 17th motorcycle magazine he's eaten. But then as as they're doing this, um, Bob and um, Thickly go out into the bush and try and find a Tasmanian devil themselves uh, for the opening. And I think they thought that this sort of duo would be funnier than it was but it's just, there's not a lot of great dialogue. No. I, I, I wondered if the back and forth build up to the quicksand, the quicksand gag counted as a Blazing Saddles reference because it felt like one to me. But it also could have been coincidental. Also, uh, I don't know. Also, um, well, while he's out there, uh, Bob apparently put a bunch of flyers because I'm looking for it as me and Devil. Yeah. So the father of Taz is like, oh, look, here's something. And it's, hey, he's hiring a Tasmanian devil. So we kind of go around in circles, really. Like, there's really there's no real sense of danger or consequence. It's just sort of like, oh, this could happen. This could also happen. Oh, I just missed yeah. it. It's, it's not really. <sighs> there is some peril there. But again, the peril in this episode is happening to mostly just. Um, Thickly and Bob. Characters we've just met. Yeah, who are, are who aren't entirely fully formed. And even if it did happen to Taz, like, okay, so something... It, it, Taz isn't at the point where, like, consequences can happen to him yet because he's not really talking yet. It, yeah. it, it, it's infuriating. But So, are you going to go into the cameo? Yes. I, I have a thing. Okay, all right. So, I'm watching this episode. This episode was chosen because Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck make a cameo in it. We had no idea what the cameo was. So I'm watching this going, because my mom is saying, oh, very important guests are going to be here. I'm like, awesome. It's going to be the end of the cartoon, and Bugs and Daffy are going to come in, and she's going to be like, Taz, what are you doing here? Or something funny like that. Yeah. But instead, (laughs) what's the cameo? How did they show up? Instead, the cameo is them pulling the um, Thickly and Bob out of the quicksand in a Jeep, um, making a very quick wrong turn in Albuquerque joke. Daffy has the line, Bugs doesn't speak, we cut, and we do something else. I wrote here my my reaction to that cameo. Oh, for fuck's sake! That's it. And I mean, also, like, how do they get a Jeep? Like, uh-huh. a 
Australia. They usually travel by hole. What do they need a jeep for? Um, and so many of the jokes in the rest of this cartoon is just narrowly missed opportunities. Taz passing through the scene looking for Bob as Bob passes through the scene looking for Taz. What's the point of this? Why are you making it? It it it, it doesn't have the right sort of cartoon logic. Um, but we do get to something kind of climactic where like the they're um, thickly and Bob end up almost being chased off a cliff by two hogs and at the bottom of the cliff is two crocodiles voiced by Jim and Rob pointing to Bob and thickly going do you order lunch in very normal voices and like setting up like a sh like uh, a candle like a candlestick and a piano and just like setting up dinner like very formally that was really funny I love that that was great give me uh. that series I will watch them Oh my god, yes. And also, just to note that uh, Rob's chant of We Want Food sounds a little like Carl Weezer. We want food! We want food! Yeah. Just a little bit. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it wraps up too nicely because, you know, Taz ends up oh uh, going against the hogs who know Taz and yeah, just need to just understand. Friends. Yeah. They're just friends like, oh, Taz, okay, see you, buddy. And, like, yeah. I can see how that could be funny. Because other cartoons have done that, where it turns out that the vicious bad thing was actually a misunderstanding or what have you. But this just felt lazy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it gets tied up too nicely. I mean, you know, Taz finds the people that want to hire him. Um... The, the the crocodiles don't get food and end up ordering a pizza and have a conversation with them. Again, the, the, the crocodiles are the funniest thing about this one. Yeah. And then the ending is that Taz gets a job. Everyone gets what they want, even though Taz doesn't get a motorcycle. We completely forgot about that plot thread. That made me so mad. <laughs> like, like, listen, all you had to do was just, when you cut the Taz in Hotel Tasmania, just have him, like, Chill on a motorcycle while he's getting yeah. fed. It's that simple. And he, and it ends with him rolling the motorcycle off of a cliff or something. It puts him right back at square one for the next. No, episode. it just ends with him like on a chair, and he says "room, room." Like, no, this isn't no. the same thing. This is not no. the same thing. That's, no. Uh, oh God. I mean, there were some good gags in this cartoon. There were. There were fundamentals of what could be an interesting cartoon. But this wasn't well written. This was not well structured. The comedy hooks here of, oh, missed opportunities or things that almost could happen are just wrong. A lot didn't work. A lot wasn't funny. The characters aren't as very fleshed out yet. Taz feels misused. That's why I had a tough time liking this show, because Taz is a better foil than he is a lead. And here he's used as a lead, and they don't know how to use him properly. It just doesn't work. And it's so badly organized as well. I agree. Also, just little things about this didn't like I, I didn't like. Like for example, I didn't and this sounds so like like well what'd you expect? I didn't like how much of a kid show this was. Like mm -hmm. we're talking about with Time Two Adventures, how like there were some lines where it's like, oh, this is a kid show. It's like you can tell for the most part, it's like yeah, this could be a for all ages thing. 
this is strictly a kid show. <laughs> there's yeah, there's really nothing in this for adults, and just that family dynamic. Like, listen, Taz needed to be first of all, Taz a teenager in this, which is I like why, and like I understand. We need people who can speak because Taz can't speak. I get that. But what do we get out of it, really? Nothing. We get a plot, but it's very flimsy. What do we get out of the platypuses but a less than optimal Daffy Duck send-up? The episode is so disorganized in its storytelling. Uh, uh, again, for two acts, it's about Taz getting a job to get a motorcycle. And then the third act, he's just... Satisfied being viewed at the bad guys hotel if they even are bad guys. I don't it's, does this show have a villain? I don't know. Does it? It's done badly. It's done very badly. <sighs> it's just a nothing burger of an episode. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of nothing. Well, at least the crocodiles are good, but it's just a lot. The crocodiles are good. The crocodiles are good, yeah. but but. Yeah. Um, I give this one a two out of five. I agree. I okay, agree. Uh, I'm also giving this a, a a two out of five. I messaged you um a couple nights ago, Jordan, because I I just watched this episode. Going, dude, I'm not quite sure about this. I'm not having a good time here. But um, then I started watching uh this one coming up, and um, it changed my mind a little bit. So uh, yeah, now. Again, I have some theories as to why things turned around. And because I don't know for sure, when did this next one come out? So this is um, it, this is a, a combo to enter of a Wacky Wombat and Molly's Folly. Came out on September 4th, 1993. Okay. Okay. That explains it. Because this one came out after Animaniacs. Oh. It started coming out around this time. And as a matter of fact, you said September 1993? September 4th, 1993. Okay. All right. Let me, re let me revise that. So about, uh, about uh, 28 years ago, we just passed the 28-year mark as of recording this episode. Okay. <laughs> um, Animaniacs actually doesn't start until September 14th, 1993. But really? It's in, pro it's in production. Yeah. While Tasmania is in production. And so once the Warner Brothers animation and Amblin people figure out a formula for how Animaniacs is going to work... And once they realize that Tasmania hasn't worked as well as they wanted, they figure out maybe we should just put that formula in Tasmania as well. And that means having segmented episodes rather than just full lengthers. And, and maybe, I don't know, having Taz just be Taz. Yes. And not kind of put Taz into what I can only call a TGIF dication of the character. Because yeah. that's the thing, is I do think I mean, the, the second plot of this episode with Molly's Folly it kind of has that but it does a good spin on it where it's funny yes. and not 
just playing it by the book. There's better ideas and better character work going on in it. Exactly, exactly. And again, you have to think, okay, maybe the people from the Animaniacs division were heading over to the Tasmania division and giving notes and pointers and helping write. Maybe it was just the energy from that project that just started fueling other projects in the same division. Yes. So, like I said, the... Uh, all right. So, that is a possible theory. And also, we see all these things like, we don't know what happened with Tasmania because I... I consider myself a big um, voice acting, animation, tell me every single thing that happened sort of guy. There's a lot of behind the scenes stories of how Animaniacs came to be and Tiny Toons. There is nothing for Tasmania. Yeah. Um, there has been no real oral history for this. The show. Most, most I could find, um, the voice actors who worked on it had a good time because, of course, they did. Yeah. <laughs> they love working together. Sure. And they just get better material with Animaniacs. So, hmm. all right. So, yeah. this combo of Wacky Wombat and Molly's Folly was shown on television on September fourth, nineteen ninety-three. In terms of songs that were big hits around this time, um, the number one song in the country in the U.S. was "Can't Help Falling in Love," the cover by UB40. Okay. So, and in regards to sports. New York Yankees pitcher Jim Abbott, no hits, Cleveland Indians, 4-0 at Yankee Stadium. This was the day of the Jim Abbott no-hitter? Yes, it is. No way! Yes, That's way. awesome. Mark, do you know what's um, cool about Jim Abbott? What? Um. Okay, let me just verify which hand it was. Jim Abbott is a rare... Um, he's a rare... And they'll be pitcher because um, he's a left-handed pitcher, which is already pretty rare because, you know, most pitchers uh, pitch with their right hand. Left-handers are a bit more rare and far between because, hey, most people aren't left-handers. Um, not only is Jim Abbott left-handed, he does not have a right hand. He was born literally, like, with his right hand ending at, like, the wrist. And so he pitches with his left hand. He has the he has the glove on, like you know, the wrist, you know, the peg stump. And he was a successful pitcher for about ten seasons. Um, came up with the uh, Los Angeles Angel, Angels in um, 1989. Was traded to the Yankees in '93. And in his first season as a New York Yankee, 1993, he throws a no hitter against. You said against the Angels, right? Um, no, not against the Indians. the Cleveland Indians against the Indians against Cleveland, or as they will be known next year, against the Cleveland Guardians. Um, but yeah, I mean Abbott is pretty well loved in New York even after that because you throw a no hitter for the Yankees, the Yankees reward you for life. Or really, any team. I mean, Corey Kluber threw one earlier this season for the Yankees. We love him. Uh, but yeah, no, um. Abbott's no-hitter was a very big deal, and still is, especially because what he had to overcome. So, yeah, that's friggin' awesome, Mark. <laughs> yeah. So, this was directed, both these were directed by Gary Hartel, and um, the combined writers for both of these were uh, Cindy McKay, Mark Saslov, Art Vitello, yeah, there he is again, 
uh, Jim Ryan and Glenn Leopold. Leopold? Yes. Leopold. Look, I assume when you grow up with the last name like that, you just have to go in the cartoons. It's either either you hate Warner Brothers cartoons or you just decide, you know what, I'm going to embrace this, just work for the studio. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thank God. Still, I'm still in awe. The Jim Abbott no hitter. Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. This is why we have the history section. This is why we yes. have the history section. Oh man! So Wacky Wombat. Mm-hmm. So we're introduced to this character named Wally. Mm-hmm. He's just a really nice guy. He he lives on a desert planet where all humanity. Went to space. They left him behind, and what? <laughs> His name is Wally. Oh, I thought you were going with uh, on a desert, on a dark desert planet. Cool wind in my hair. <laughs> no, no warm smell of no. the wombat rising up through the air. <laughs> no. I turned into Aquafina for a second there. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, oh man! <laughs> Woman, perfectly episode you covered. <laughs> the, the Tasmanian devil at the Hotel California. You can check out anytime you'd like, Taz, but you can never leave. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and just the guitar solo. It's just Taz, just speak like doing just Taz like noises. But it actually matches the guitar solo. And I don't even like the Eagles. The band. The band. The football team I am perfectly fine with. Um Warm smell of a wombat rising up through the air. You know, I'm glad I'm in a better mood this week. All right. So, <laughs> Wally the Wombat's whole thing is that he's incredibly friendly. He's saying yes. he to every rock and creature in sight. He just tells the audience, look, I'm just a very friendly person. Which, okay, man. You know what? He's fully content in life. Love to see it. So... A barrage of animals, very similar to Taz's debut short in Devil May Hair, just yeah. runs across the, the land, and and the, the wombat just builds a little wall, stops a turtle, says, hey, what's going on? And the, the, the tortoise, named Tony the Tortoise, because he has a lot of T's in his speaking pattern, um, he just yells that, you know, the Tasmanian Devil's coming. And while it's just, oh, oh, okay, oh, the, the Tasmanian Devil, I've heard about him. He's a very um, interesting creature. And then the Tasmanian Devil is right behind him. He taps on it. And I can't explain it, but I can tell even in the animation of Taz, this is supposed to be Taz. It's not supposed to be like yeah. like it, it. It just feels like Taz in the animation. I can't quite explain it. Yeah. So Wally just introduces himself and just says, "Oh well, I'm Wally Wombat. I'm a lovable character who's trying to find a place in this series." Which okay, that's great. Right out of the gate, 
We're in a familiar setting where it comes to Taz-centric media. It's an outside character who's brought in as looking at the world through the eyes of an outsider in the world of Taz, or in this case, Tazmania. Mm -hmm. And what I love about this episode is that this is just Taz. There's no family. There's no anything. It's just Taz being the Taz. You, when you tune into a show called Tasmania, this is the Taz you want. And, and, and no yeah. one's tuning into Tasmania and going, what? He has a family? What is this? What, who, are, who are you people? What? Huh? <laughs> this could potentially stand on its own. So, so while he's doing this shtick with Taz, and eventually they start a chase. Yeah. So while he's just running around, he, he stops going, wait a minute. I'm a wombat, and we burrow. Mm. And right about the do, he says, who says cartoons aren't educational? <laughs> this is a wonderfully meta cartoon, I will say. There's so many oh, yeah. great meta jokes. So he burrows, and Taz does, and there's a, a quick comment that Wally makes, like, oh, Taz being devils also burrow. And just yeah. a simple Taz, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. they burrow, they burrow in a different direction. Taz burrows too far and falls. And Wally's just, you know, you know, he's just looking down like, oh man, you know, I love how the Tasmanian Devil falls. It's so, so interesting, fascinating. Yeah. I, I also just like how they put in a very quick shot of him falling. Just, just, <laughs> just not, not like the full, like, you know, wait for the little pluff at the bottom of the, the hill. Like, <laughs> It's just like a quick cutaway of him falling. You know the drill by now. So while he just... He's just commenting on his own cartoon, essentially. So he just flies down. He says, you know, hey, look, Taz, this cartoon business is a real yawn. You know, how about we just, you know, put it behind our animal nature. And we just... Let's just shake on it. Let's go relax, whatever. And Taz does a psych... <laughs> There's a side handshake and he laughs at it, which, okay. Uh, that's a there's a little bit of that 90s uh, sense of mentality. So, eventually, they start doing a chase again. And, and, and it's a while he says something like, especially, especially a wombat, what have you. I believe yeah. it's, you know, like, Taz would eat stuff, especially a wombat. And then, uh, while he sets up this Cafe de Boom. I like it's, this. Yeah, because so it's just Taz is hungry, and Wally's like, oh, well, do you want his cafe to boom? Boom, 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 boom. You know, we could do this all day, but let's not. You look very hungry, and the food here is excellent. Which, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> also, Wally, Wally's got a very fun French accent in this scene, and it, it's, yes. it's very silly and very much the spirit of the old Bugs cartoons. There it is. Yeah, and, and then we get, you know, a pretty standard, but still pretty funny, you know, Taz is fed uh, the special, as Wally calls it, and it's all explosives. He yeah. gives him a salad that has olives in it, but they're bombs. Bombs. He gives him a, a turkey, and it's just dynamite. Eats yeah. that, and then <laughs> and it just serves him cake, which has dynamite in it, and Wally's saying, oh, well, what's the... The, the finish your meal off with a bunch of sugar and calories. Like, okay. It's great. Also, it's just, it's, it's well animated whenever, like, bombs explode inside of Taz. Like, it's, it's, this is, this yeah. is pretty yeah. fluidly done. 
Yeah, so Sonetta, okay, so this is where Wally says, uh, oh, there's still a few minutes left in the cartoon. I'm just going to say hi to people. And, and, and Taz is just there, and he does, you know. What for you feed me food, however tasty, that goes boom. And Wally's like, oh, well, you know, look, you earned the special. Like, I, I can't help you here. Look, I'm just a friendly guy. <laughs> and then they run off. And then they just go for broke in terms of menace, where they stop, Wally stops the cartoon dead. He goes into a tree, picks up a phone, because he's like, oh, this is just like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Wait a minute. Goes to a tree, gets the phone, calls a number, and it's Bugs Bunny on the phone. Yes. <laughs> just basically telling him how to do one of his cartoons. Yeah, and, and, and Bugs even says... Oh, brother, are they still remaking that old cartoon? What is this episode? <laughs> what is this? Like, even Bugs is like, just... oh, oh, those goddamn live-action remakes. Ugh. It's just wonderfully meta. So meta. And Bugs' advice is to do the ending to Hillbilly Hair. Yes! <laughs> That's great. So, uh, so Wally just starts singing, and Taz gets into it, and then Taz stops, goes to the same phone, dials a different number, and it's Yosemite Sam. Yeah. Um, Maurice LaMarche's Yosemite Sam, which it's all he right. can do pretty well. It's all right. And I, I think you liked it more than I did. It's, it's very all right. It's more of just a gravelly kind of voice. And he just says, well, if it isn't Taz, haven't you retired yet? Which... <laughs> What? <laughs> I mean, he has been doing this for 40-odd years. Now I just want to see a show where it's the Looney Tunes at a retirement home. <laughs> just causing shit. <laughs> Maybe that's the last ever Looney Tunes cartoon, the one where they're just old. They're like the last dead end in any for a while. <laughs> yeah. So Sam just gives the advice, okay, don't eat the salad, because uh, apparently... Yosemite Sam is so used to Bugs' shtick that he knows what a character could have done to Taz. So he just says, listen, don't eat the salad. Stay away from stuff with a burning stick at the end. And, like, don't dance or don't, like, follow the directions of whatever this guy's doing. And Taz says, okay. So he says, so Taz hangs up and he walks right off the cliff. <laughs> and then answers the phone in the middle of the cliff. Saying, oh, yeah, and don't, 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 make sure you walk with me, see where you're going. It's great. And Wally's like, oh, oh, that's the scare of him, or what have you. And then he walks back, and there's Taz. And Taz is about to say, why did you? And then Wally cuts him off and says, why did I let you fall off the tall, tall cliff? Aren't you supposed to only use that whiteboard gag once an episode? <laughs> what the f Oh, my God. Where was this in the first one we did? I have no idea. So, so, and while he answers him, like, oh, 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 why'd I do that? Because you're supposed to eat me. So, and so we cut to him on a freaking spit. <laughs> yeah, because Taz gets him, yeah. ties him up, and, and Taz is doing the old cartoon fashion way of lighting up fires, just rubbing two sticks together. And Wally just says, hey, listen, have you ever seen anyone actually light a fire that way? 
Hey, listen, I got some matches in my back pocket. Just take them out. You can lie them there. And Satash just takes out the matches. Wally tells him, hold on, hold on. Before you strike the match, you gotta close it. Safety. There's kids watching. <laughs> and of course, it's not just the people at home. It's also his family. Yeah, so... Oh my god. I lost my goddamn mind at this. So... This was great. His family shows up. And they're crying. And they're like, Are you gonna eat our father? <laughs> and then... His family just gives Taz the wood, the barbecue sauce, the mustard that would be best to be eaten. Serving suggestions. For their father. The best line of this is, he was such a, a rare, rare husband. husband, let's cook him that way too. Oh my god. It's so It's sadistic and I love it. God damn it. A li little bit of it. That's all we needed in this cartoon. That's it. So, eventually, um, Taz gets fooled by the sympathy card. So, he unties him. The Wally and his family pushed Taz up this airport, the airport stairs to the airplane. Taz falls off. You know, I like that he's falling differently the second time. Because it's literally the same thing. It's he's falling... <laughs> And he picks up the phone by Sam. So I appreciate that it was different animation this time. I appreciate that. So he's falling. Picks up the phone and Sam saying, Oh, hey, Taz, I'm just checking in. Um, you fell for the sympathy card, didn't you? <laughs> That's <laughs> great. Yeah. Like, ah, uh, well, I'm going to go play tennis now. Bye. <laughs> just Sam is just, an, is just a very... Not annoyed, but just like like knowing sort of foil on the other end of the line is, is one of the best gags in this one. Of, of many great gags in it. Yes. And I, I like Wally Wombat's lineup. Man, I love the Tasmanian Devil. He never falls the same way twice. It's, yes. That's so He's such a fan. I, I love this idea. We'll, we'll get into it final thoughts. But oh my god, I love this idea. So, eventually he turns to his family and says, no, I'm so thankful to have this lovely family who supports me and then they all go not ah the 90s yes very 1993 as it turns out it's just his friends they got dressed up to do this and Wally's like well that's the current main devil so I guess uh hi hi another hi it's <laughs> end of them greeting each other because really all, all wombats are incredible they're all really friendly. nice Oh, yeah. really nice. And that's where we end it. Oh, man. Where the hell was this in the previous episode? That's what where I was this know. mentality? Where was this mentality of, let's just do the show to do new Taz shorts? Because that's what this was, essentially. It, it was yeah. essentially like a... And, and, like, you cut off the opening and end credits. It's about nine minutes, give or take, so... It's fine. I mean... A Taz cartoon that goes super metatextual in the methods commonly used in a Taz cartoon, that's so different and so unique that I love it. It's 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 definitely more interesting. I'll, I'll oh say that. God. I love the idea of the main character is like he knows he's in a Taz cartoon. He's such a fan of Taz that he knows what to do. It's 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 kind of like what we would do if. Literally, if, if anyone who's ever watched Looney Tunes cartoons 
all of a sudden found themselves in a Looney Tunes cartoon. They'd be like, oh, I know what to do here, and then just do yeah. this, this, this. and it, It's like the Treehouse of Horror Simpsons where Bart and Lisa find themselves in an itchy and scratchy cartoon. And they're like, okay, yeah. we got to do this. And I'm telling you, this cilantro really gives it a zing. Reach, there's no cilantro in it. What? Oh, God! And I love this soup is out of control. Oh, my, my eyes, my beautiful eyes. Oh, that's it. I'm going oh. home. Dom DeLuise can interview himself. But yeah, no, that was that was a blast. I loved how meta it was. I loved it. The, the gag work was excellent. Great character. I liked Wally a lot. Uh, very old school feel. Um, barely anything in this did not work for me. So, it, just a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm giving this a 4.5 out of 5 anvils. That's exactly what I'm giving it. I was really impressed by that one. All right. So, the second part of this cartoon, called Molly's Folly. So, they haven't dropped the family completely when they got to the season. It's not like they just went, okay, you know what, screw this. We're just doing Taz shorts. No, they, they do still keep the family but they do something in, uh, uh, what do you call it? They gave him character. Yes. They gave him a bit more of a reason. They gave him more of a uh, so what. That's yes. My favorite phrase, a so what. What's your reason? And the basic plot of this is essentially, uh, Taz and Molly are in a boys versus girls debate. You know, that... You know, boys are not better than girls, and that girls can do, uh, boys can do something girls can do, and girls can do whatever boys can do. Yeah, that's, that's a fine sort of backbone for this one. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. No, it's a bit, you know, part of it everyone's done. No, everyone's done a plot like this, but they do do something different with it a, a, a little mm -hmm. bit. So Taz bets Molly, his sister, that she can't spin and go through the jungle they're in and get a bunny that's on the other side. So she uh, proceeds to do this and as such demands that Taz put up his end of the bargain by going with her to ballet class. And I love how like we, we don't even like have her explain it. We just realize that Taz has to do his end of the bargain and we just smash cut to ballet practice. That's just yes. great. And I love the animation uh, of Molly going through the jungle and whatnot because it actually yeah. does and does look good. And yes, I, I do like how we're just thrown into the ballet plot. Yes, exactly. And and Molly again just says it to Taz and to the audience that listen, Taz, like if if you don't want to do this, that's fine. But and love she says dramatic pause. You ain't make girls are better than boys. Molly has a lot of good lines in this, and I and I will, will be bringing them up. Yeah, no, there's it's her her um her character is really well formed in this one, and she has a lot of good stuff here. So Taz goes into the ballet class, and and what's this? The Rock is there too. No, what? Did you ever see the game plan? Oh, right. Okay. No, I've never seen it. Play. I just know that what the hook was. Oh. Yeah. yeah. yeah the the Donald loves. Yeah. All right. All right. But will the audience have seen it? Ah, that's a good question. So if you've never seen the game plan before, get this. Good. So the rock is a football... No, no, no. He has to take care of a daughter. The daughter loves ballet. So the rock goes into ballet. It, it's this whole thing. 
Anyways. This, this does better than the movie, though, because this one at least has Rob Paulson as an, a, a female emu um, ballet teacher, which is very funny. Yes, and of course it's Swan Lake. Of yes. course it is. Of course it is. So, uh, Taz, during the practice, attempts to do, like, the ballet lesson, but in one way or another, either hurts himself or others in the process. So, like, for example, he'll try to balance himself on his toes, but then his toes would crack, which it's a lovely sound effect of Taz's bones cracking. And then they, they do, uh, they, they're teaching lifting, and Taz picks this little um, koala, uh, I think, to, to be the partner. And it's just Taz jumping up and down with, like, big, like, booming music, which just cuts to this koala, feared for her life. And it's a <laughs> lovely image, and it's so funny. And Taz just jumps in the air, slams down on her. And eventually the koala is able to get up and throw Taz to the other ballet students. Very good. Very good. It is. So, so eventually the, the Rob Paulson instructor instru- instructs everyone to spin. And of course, oh no. Taz decides to do his natural instinct and spin around, destroying everything in its path, including Molly's friends. Yeah. And... They're destroyed, and Taz thinks it's a dog pile, so he just jumps right on top of their crushed bodies. And Molly just says, listen, I, I-, I gotta speak to you, and then we just cut to the break. So, we got back, and Taz is hurt, because ballet's hard, yeah. and Molly is just like, you're lucky they didn't kick me out, because, again, he hurt everybody. Yeah. And and Molly just says, listen, I don't care. Your moans, listen, I don't have an attachment to this band anymore. Your, your, your moans are like music to my ears, to which has moans. And she just says, um, E flat, I believe. That's a good line. <laughs> yeah, she's great in this. Yeah, so she just, oh, oh, oh there's, a, there's a great delivery where Molly says, You are my brother and I love you. <laughs> I just and she just listen. I decide we're holding off the bet. It's okay. Just I make girls better and boys, and, and we're fine. You, you don't go to recital. We're done. But he does it anyway. So Taz like gets up because because I think because it's no it's no longer about the bet anymore. Taz just wants to do it. It's like no, I won't do it. And Maya's like Taz. You know you really don't want to. Please, please, please. You've given him a goal. He has to complete it. I just love the line. Taz! Dance! <laughs> Dance! Dance. Oh, my God. And so Molly then decides to help Taz in his endeavor to be a better uh, ballet dancer. I taken him to ballet boot camp, and we get a bit of a montage here of a. Uh, I like this. This was nice. Finding how to do ballet, and um, from the end of the montage, it looks like Taz can really do it. Yes. And, um, the animation of Taz at the end is animated very nicely. He can dance. He can dance really nicely. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. 
So then we, we cut over to the, the big recital, and Taz's parents are there, and they're so happy that Taz and Molly are doing something together. Yeah. Although Hugh doesn't have a line. Nope. He was busy doing Animaniac sessions. Yes. So the curtain comes up, and, and, and for like three seconds, we think it's going to go right. But we just cut to the parents as we just hear the carnage. We don't even see the carnage of things going horribly wrong. We just hear it. Yeah, so eventually we cut back and it's to the stage and it's just there once again, like huddled in a sea of bodies. And <laughs> the curtain falls and, and Molly's friends are pissed off. Yes. They're, they're pissed off. Literally, every single one of them is like, I can't, you, you destroyed this. How could you? And I love, uh, what's the animal? I, th I think it's a giraffe or animal is what the line of. I hope you're happy. You've emotionally scarred me for life, destroying any possibility for future adult happiness. I'm sending my therapy bills to you. That's great. It's ahead of its time. That's a great line. And, yeah, so Macho goes to Taz, like, well, Taz, at least you tried. <laughs> you know, you're, you're no ballet dancer, but you're my brother, and I love Aww. you. Yeah, they hug it out, and it's really nice. And then, yeah. I don't know if the writers were like, hold oh, on, we can't have a Taz sit in like this. Molly just talks to the camera, like, yeah, 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 we know this is very heartwarming. But this is how we're ending this one. And they just blow raspberries out <laughs> of the audience. Great. That's a great ending. I, I wasn't even playing about the heartwarmingness, but uh, yeah. So, I will say, I do have a, a bit of a negative, which is I wish it was a little bit faster. I don't okay. know, we, we do kind of mope around a little bit. But we just bring up how Taz being at this big ballet thing isn't really seen as... A scene in the context of, of the characters as comical. Like, it's funny how this is a boys versus girls plot, but they're really, like, for example, Taz, like, it's, it's not like Taz's friends, like, show up, like, oh, Taz, ballet is a wussy thing. What the hell are you doing? Da, 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 ba, 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 ba. They, they do a quick gag in the beginning, like, oh, it's my big sister. I mean, brother, Taz. And, like, that's all we get in terms of gender jokes or early girl jokes in this. Yeah. Which is nice. That's a different yeah. change of pace. I I really do love the brother-sister dynamic of Taz and Molly. It's really sweet. So did I. It's not, the, it's not like basic sibling writing where it's like, it's like the same character but duplicated or what have you. There's heart here and I really liked it. Um, I do think it went on long in a bit, in a bit, a uh, couple of places. I, I, I do, I do think Taz deciding to dance could have been either a little bit faster or at least change the camera angles because we're on one background angle for like two minutes, it feels like. Yeah. And while I understand the, the idea of Taz being good at ballet would be a bit too far fetched, and I, I would like it if like maybe Taz at the start is kind of good and we see that but then as it goes on taz just gets more and more like into his nature yeah no so maybe we can 
I mean, yes, we do see some kind of effort in the training. Women Knight's like, at the very beginning, like, Taz is actually pretty good. And, like, oh, oh look at this. He can actually do it. And then, no, he can't because he's Taz. Yeah. But Again, you know, the, the, the heart was in the right place, even if some of the ideas weren't. I mean, honestly, the second half propelled this episode for me. I, I liked the hook and the plot. I think it did it really well. Yeah. So I'm giving this a four out of five handles. I'm only giving it a 3.5, but I still enjoy it. Yeah. So, as we near the end of our Tasmania discussion, would you watch more of this show? Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I honestly don't think I would. I mean, we've missed out on so many characters clearly from the opening. <laughs> yeah, but like, are any of them going to be good? I mean, is it going to be more like the first episode we covered, and not like the second? Um, which show are we getting? And it's, it's hard to really guesstimate and say it, it's going to be this one for sure. So I, I don't know if I would. Yeah. Um, I do think it's so strange how, like, we've never seen this show before. Yeah. That, that's yeah. what I find so strange because, like, it's not like, because, like, Nickel, like, Nickelodeon Network, they had all the ambulance stuff. And then The Hub had a bunch of, especially The Hub, had a bunch of, like, 90s Warner Bros. stuff. This just... I guess it's just never part of that package. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I mean, hell. I think last year they just released. I think the third season of the show on DVD through the Warner yeah. Archive, which, um, which I a good amount of these episodes, not all the episodes, are on the Boomerang streaming service. Okay. So if you if you really want to watch it, you can. But if that's the case, then why not just watch? Actual Taz cartoons, if yeah, you're there. Or, or better shows. So, I think that means next week we finally get to do Animaniacs, right? Yes, we finally oh, get to God. talk about the Animaniacs. <laughs> <sighs> That's great. So, the episodes we will be covering are... The Warners 65th Anniversary Special. Hmm. And it's a three short combo thing. It's um, ups and downs, followed by the Brave Little Trailer, followed by Yes Always. Oh, <laughs> you spoil me. Now, I originally was going to have just Yes Always in. But we got to do the full episode. We got to the full one just to talk about Yes Always, because that's... Well, we, we're going to, but we're going to talk about the rest of them as well, because I think it gives us a good estimation of just the range and the amount of things they could do in one 22-minute block. And so, yes, we'll talk about Yes Always, but also some other things. So. And the Warner 65th Anniversary Special. Right. Which, so, if I'm not wrong, brings back someone from the 1930s. Woo. Oh, <laughs> Okay. So stay tuned for that. But oh, no, that Animaniacs, that's a show we have a admiration for. As oh, we have a lot of nice things to say about that one. That one is really good. That's going to be a love fest. Uh, all right. Well, so until then, that's the ending line. Why am I saying that now? So until then, that's the end of... Um, uh, uh, welcome to... That's not quite all. Welcome no, to a very no, special. No, that's not quite no, all, folks. No, no. <laughs> All right, that's the end of our show. 
If you'd like to keep up with us on Twitter, you can follow me at Mark Hanlum1995. And you can follow me at Tall Guy Schmidt. If you'd like to keep up with the podcast <laughs> or give your thoughts for next week's episode. <laughs> Uh, I guess you can follow at that <laughs> underscore loony or type in the podcast <laughs> title. We may still be the first results. You can also find this podcast wherever podcasts are readily available. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Player FM, and other very sad and somber podcast retailers. Uh, we're... We're apparently on Amazon Music and Audible. We're apparently on Amazon. We are. We're apparently on Amazon. Alright. So, until next week, I'm Matt. And I'm yours. Good idea. Covering Animaniacs and Tiny Toon Adventures. Bad idea. Doing Tasmania in the middle. Night, everybody.